Hey everyone, welcome to Way of Life Podcast, where we firmly believe that everyone picks a way in life and what way you pick is extremely important and directly affects how you live. In this podcast, we seek to interview people from all around Australia and beyond on life's most important topics. Whether you're a Christian, a skeptic, or someone with a whole heap of questions, this podcast is for you. My name is Matt, a pastor living in Brisbane, Australia. This is Way of Life Podcast. Welcome to another Way of Life podcast. We've uh, got an awesome guest speaker with us here today. We've got Adam Ramsey. So Adam's from Liberty Church down on the Gold Coast in uh, Queensland, not far from where I live. And he is the author of the book, Truth on Fire. Um, And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So Adam, how are you going, mate? (laughs) I'm well, Matt. So great to be with you. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on the, on the podcast um, and talking about your awesome book. Honestly, it's uh, I'll probably get into this in a, in a little bit, but it's been a, a book that really touched my heart and has been quite close to um, my journey in kind of the Christian faith. But before I talk about it, I want to hear you talk about it. Um, what kind of led you to write it and, and what is it about? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what um what led me to write it was probably a little bit of my own biography, and mm. so I grew up around uh, experiential kinds of churches, so attractional, uh, high uh, uh, feeling and emotion, mm. and, uh, and and there was much that was really good about that. And then as I got older, and I kind of went through this this stage in my late teens, early twenties, just wrestling through. Okay, what does the Bible actually teach uh, about all these different things that I've never really heard a lot about mm. in some of those those other churches that I'd grown up around? And I got exposed to Reformed theology, and I just the, the need for biblical literacy uh, really, really, really yeah. grew in my heart. And I found that you know this whole new tribe of people and friends uh, <laughs> around the world, and and more and more as I, I kind of got to live in both of these tribes. I realized just how much they actually need to learn from each other, Absolutely. Uh, the thinkers and the feelers. And what I found, Matt, was that the uh, the thinkers would often look at the feelers as being uh, thoughtless or glib with scriptures. Uh, and the feelers would often look at the thinkers as being lifeless or dull or just mm. kind of joyless uh, in their Christianity. Yep. And frankly, both of those stereotypes stereotypes were very often right. Um, And so the the book came out of a desire to see uh, an intelligent, biblically literate faith that doesn't see theology as an end, but as a means to move us towards the true end, Mm. which is an authentic experience of God himself in our lived Christianity. Oh man, it's so good. I I highly recommend everyone to uh, have a look at this book and have a read, but and I, I have a really similar story myself. I grew up in probably more, I guess, quote unquote, charismatic type Pentecostal churches. Like that was most yeah. of my childhood and teenage years. And I, I didn't really know any different. And I experienced like the Holy Spirit. And it was, um, it was just like 
it was an everyday kind of thing. I didn't know any different. And then I, uh, similar in a way, I was kind of like, is there more to this? And then I met this guy right. who I was playing in a band with at the time. And he just started, he was super reformed at the time type thinker. And he just opened up the Bible with me and just started sharing the gospel and all these different things. And I was just thinking to myself, how the heck did I not know about this? Like, how did I not, <clears throat> excuse me. <laughs> have like a deeper understanding of this. And then kind of my eyes were completely opened. And I almost, I don't know if you had this experience, Adam, but I kind of went almost to the other end of the pendulum in some way. Was that anything, was that kind of your experience as well? Uh, look, I think uh, in some regards, most certainly. So I think what I had really in, as a helpful just gift of God's mercy towards me is as I, as I went through my own theological reformation, uh, while I was a part of, you know, the Pentecostal world, uh, I had just a really great pastor mm. and he, he, he gave me the space to think and wrestle and, uh, and disagree and just be unsure. And so mm. some of the cage stage, uh, cage stage Calvinism, uh, <laughs> that, that, you know, to use that language, um, that, that many of us have experienced measures of, I think I had a little bit less of that just yeah because I had a great leader yeah. um, who let me think through those things as I was working through it all. Yeah, that's really, really cool. I think it's such an important topic because what you do see is those kind of almost polarizing type things. And sometimes, like you say, it's, it's very true. Like, um, I guess just truth alone, kind of look at the experiential people and kind of go, what the heck is going on? And then vice versa. And it's just like, oh no, that's, that's just dead religion type of thing. So I'm kind of wondering what what uh, what do you share in your book? And I know it's a whole book, and you don't have to summarize the whole thing. But what do you what? How do you attack kind of merging these two together in your book? Well, I, I think it starts with realizing that there doesn't need to be a divorce mm. between intelligent Christianity and passionate. Uh, Christianity between yeah. word and between spirit. In fact, I would argue that the Bible itself shows us that that should not ever be the case. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, I think it's just as big of a fail mm. uh, to have a sharp mind um, biblically informed with a cold heart mm. towards the things of God and the people of God. Yeah. Uh, it's just as big of a fail as it is to have a heart that is radically passionate, pumped up and on fire yeah. about foolishness. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's, it shouldn't, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be an either or these two things, yep. uh, good theology and experiential Christianity were always meant to be friends. Mm. So the way that the book kind of comes about is, is I'll, I, I take um, 12 chapters and look at the attributes of God, uh, which just is just asking the question, who is God? Yeah. Like, what does the Bible say God is? And what what is this God of the Bible like? And so mm. there's been some classics on the attributes of God already written, you know, um, Toza's Knowledge of the Holy uh, yeah. and um, uh, Pink wrote a great book on the attributes of God. Jen Wilkin, mm. uh, who's a friend of mine, great, great books on yeah. uh, the attributes of God there um, in his image and, and none like him. And, and so what I was trying to do was not so much rewrite, you know, the book, like God hasn't changed. So let's describe his attributes clearly. Yep. But then what we've done in Truth on Fire is look at, okay, what is the application of each of these attributes if I really understand it? Mm. So, for example, you know, chapter one, we look at uh, God is other, right? So the attribute of his 
transcendence. Mm. Um, there is a sense where we are like God, we're, we're made in his image. So, so that's true. Yep. But it's also important we start with the remembrance that there's a very important way that we're not like God. Yeah. Um, and he is completely other to us. Yeah. Uh, he, he transcends the entire category mm. of creation. And uh, I love, you know, Tozer's got this great analogy where he says that God <laughs> God is as high above an archangel as he is above a caterpillar. Um, <laughs> and the, 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 the archangel and the caterpillar are, are greatly separated yep. in the scheme of created things. They still both belong to the category of mm. created things. Yeah. And God yeah. is creator and creator alone. Mm. So as I dwell on that, okay, the, the, the otherness of God mm. What is the lived experience in the Christian life that that is meant to create in me as I, as I, as I deepen my understanding of that? Mm. And I think for that one, at least one of the, the main lived experiences is, is the experience of wonder. And mm. suddenly I feel very, very small and the world and the universe and God's creation feels very, very big. Mm. And that's actually a really good thing. Yep. <laughs> and I learned to wonder again, yep. uh, like a child seeing something for the first time, as I stare at creation, as I stare at the word of God and, and wonder now drives my heart, this holy mm. curiosity. Um, and so that's just, you know, one example in, in one chapter there of where I try to uh, help us avoid one of those two extremes, just camping out on good theology saying yep. we tick the box yep. uh, and that's it. Uh, and avoiding the other extreme of, Hey, I want to aim for this experience of yeah. God, but by bypassing the Bible mm. or, or kind of being glib with the Bible, we want to go through the word of God yep. into real experiences with God. Yeah. That's so important. That's really, really cool. And I actually think we could, I don't know. I reckon every person, I'm not trying to just talk you up here, Adam, but like, I reckon every person that goes to Bible college could benefit from kind of reading your book because it, it, mm. it almost aims to bring them together because I don't know from my own experience of going to, uh, to, to uni, to a seminary. And I, I kind of, they kept warning you, don't make the Bible into a textbook. Like, you know what I mean? You're going to be spending so much time in it. Don't make it into a textbook. Sure. Like you've got to live it out. <laughs> but I think this is such a, an awesome thing. So <clears throat> just broad sweeps, like what other kind of attributes of God do you kind of go through throughout the book? Uh, so, so the, the first half of the book kind of looks at his incommunicable attributes. So those are the things that are true about God that are only true about God, mm. uh, that they're not true about us, you know, so God is omnipotent, uh, or all powerful. Yeah. Uh, that's not true of us. Uh, God is perfectly holy. Uh, that's not true of us. Uh, God is, uh, omniscient. He knows all he's omnipresent. Mm. Uh, he, there's, there's no space off limits to him in, uh, in all the universe. And so as we look at each of those various attributes, okay, so God is sovereign. Mm. Well, the more I understand the sovereignty of God, the more that leads me into the experience of assurance. Mm. We're all recovering control freaks. Every one of us Christians, uh, <laughs> we've all lived as, as our own functional saviors for whatever period of our life, whether you grew up in the church or not, uh, we're all recovering control freaks and we're learning that God is sovereign and we're not. And that's actually really good. Yep. <laughs> uh, he's super qualified and we're not. Uh, and so I can have this assurance, yeah. this rest in his sovereignty, mm. despite whatever comes my way. Uh, you know, as I think about the, um, 
the omnipotence of God, that he has no rival, uh, he's totally strong in, in every mighty way, then I can now be free to embrace weakness mm. and creatureliness and humility. Um, the more that I understand that that God is omnipresent, that that he's never far away. Yeah. What a comfort. That leads me into the experience of courage. Mm. And, and you look at even the scriptures of over and over and over the command where God says to his people, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, mm. don't be afraid. And what's that command married to? It's, it's married to the promise. Yeah. Uh, that's the, the, uh, the promise of his nearness, mm. of his omnipresence, which is I am with you. I am so with good. you. I am with you. Therefore, do not be afraid. And so understanding that leads me into a courageous life uh, in the difficult times we find ourselves. And then there's the communicable attributes of God. So these are the things that are true about God, mm. that we being made in God's image is uh, in some way true of us and that we can grow in these yep. things by the power of the spirit. So for example, um, God is good. Okay. So as I think about the goodness of God, um, what does that look like for my own life? Well, I think the experience there is I learned to trust God through suffering because mm. that's when we most need to know that God is good. Yeah. Um, when I think about the love of God, that leads me into an experience of relational beauty mm. in the way that I treat people around me. When I think of the mercy of God, mm. that what I've received is so undeserved. That leads me into an experience of gentleness. Mm. Um, and I'm praying, Matt, for a revival of gentleness mm, uh, in the church in our very angry, divided, hostile times yeah, um, that we would be known as gentle followers of Jesus and so so on and so forth. And there's yeah, other yeah. ones there, obviously, but yeah. that's just a, a bit of a taste. Yeah, that's so awesome. No, thanks, Adam. So with that kind of framework, so people kind of know what your book is about and how you go about doing it, I kind of wanted to ask you the question of how do you how do you think we are missing out on, or what do you think we're missing out on if we only focus on one side of, of each coin, of the coin, sorry? That's a good question. Well, I think, I think what we'll have is either... And I think we need to start by being honest enough to go, which way do I lean? And I think every person can answer that. Every Christian can, can answer that. Do I lean more towards um, head uh, and, and, and thinking or more towards heart mm. and towards feeling? And I know it's a, it is a bit of a, a dichotomy, but, but, and it shouldn't be one or the other, but yep. we're always going to lean one way or the other, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, so, so I think we should at least be honest enough to go, okay, which way do I lean? And then even to ask the broader question, which way does my church lean, my mm. church community, whether I'm the pastor of that church, whether I'm a member of that church or a leader within that church, uh, which way does our church lean? And it's not bad if a church leans a particular way. It's just you need to know what sort of starting point you're beginning with um, if you want to have a more fully orbed Christianity. Mm. Uh, so if a church is more... Um, uh, theologically driven, uh, you know, it's big on the creeds. It loves liturgy. It's got some more high church tradition, perhaps. Yep. Um, the Bible is central and beautiful and treasured. And, and I believe all of that uh, is, is excellent. And, and, and we practice each of those things in our church. Absolutely. Um, then I need to be careful that 
my uh, experience of church and that my discipleship to Jesus doesn't become purely information driven because mm. there's all this information, there's all this tradition, there's all of these, these words that, that really matter. But the point is these words are meant to move me towards God himself, to the word who became flesh yeah. and dwelt among us. Yeah. And so if I lean that way, just being aware that um, there is, uh, I'll say it like this. So, so John Piper has got this great little sequence of phrases he uses. And he says, theology exists for the sake of doxology, which is mm. worship. Yeah. Right. So theology, thinking about God, exists not for its own sake of just getting it right, but for doxology, mm. worshiping gladly and joyfully in God. Um, reflection exists for the sake of affections mm. logic exists for the sake of loving yeah. thinking exists for the sake of feeling and so if, if you're in a church or if you're the kind of person that leans more towards the head that's great like let's start there yep. but then let's make sure we don't camp out there yeah. and that we move into true experience with god yep. uh, and in the church that's meant to now be shaped by the theology that we treasure. Uh, and conversely, if you're in a church where you're more, it's more feeler, the Bible's there, uh, it's helpful, but it's maybe not so central um, in that church. It's more used as a, as a, a diving board off into other things, yeah. uh, even if those things are good things. Um, if there's passion and life and emotion and laughter and all those things, again, I like all those things. And, and we have all of those things in our church as well, or at least we strive to then, um, then just be aware that, okay, if, if you're more feeler oriented, um, don't aim at these feelings and emotions and experiences as uh, a direct hit, go through the word of God. Yeah. Learn to treasure the scriptures as the, the defining piece of all of the Christian life. Yeah. And then through God's word, move towards joy, honesty, mm. um, gentleness, uh, justice, mercy, mm. all of these lived experiences that are meant to shape our lives as well. And I think if you have one without the other, um, or maybe even it's not one without the other, maybe it's one that's like 70% and the other's 30%. Yep. Um, you kind of want to bring them both up to a hundred percent. It's not like meet in the middle. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's like, let's be fully passionate about the Bible mm. and let's be fully passionate about the life that the Bible points us to when it comes to God and the church. Yeah. I really like that. It's not like a 50, 50, it's a hundred percent for both. Um, Really, really good. So I, I'm not meaning to put your church on a pedestal. I know there's no perfect church out there. <laughs> um, but uh, being the person that you are and the journey you've gone through and the, the book you've written, how do you, how have you kind of gone about doing that at, at Liberty Church? Well, um, it helps that we planted Liberty Church with a, a an explicit DNA of like, okay, I'm a I'm a reformed charismatic. So yeah. I believe uh, in the scriptures. I believe in the ongoing presence and ministry of the spirit and the gifts of the spirit and those yeah, things cool. there. Uh, I am a, a, uh, a guy who loves the Bible and wants people mm. to understand the Bible and also uh, loves to laugh and rejoice <laughs> and good. just don't understand people. 
who have good news and are kind of bummed out about it all the time or <laughs> angry about everything. And it's like, man, you got the best news in the world. There's a place for anger for sure. But uh, if that's the driving force of your ministry, uh, you missed it. Yep. <laughs> you you are meant to be an ambassador of the gospel, which is that Jesus lived, died, and rose again, and and uh, and salvation is for all who come and make their home in Him. Yep. So so that's good news, right? Absolutely. So so I think we try at the church, and we we do it imperfectly to be sure, um, but we try to marry those things up so that okay, when it comes to our teaching. That is going to be, we're opening the Bible every single week yeah. and every single sermon is pointing us to Jesus because yeah. uh, we know that's where the Holy Spirit shines the spotlight on Jesus and mm -hmm. our affections are stirred as we focus on Jesus and his work for us, not our work for him. Yep. So the main thing is always Jesus. Yeah. And, and then the response to that is, is meant to be, I believe, one of joy. Uh, and that doesn't disclude repentance, right? Joy is on the other side of repentance. Absolutely. So if I see Jesus clearly and my heart is convicted mm. uh, of sin and I need to own something and I need to confess something and I need to walk in the light about something or I need to grieve over something in my own life, or maybe even I'm walking through suffering right now, there is still this biblical imperative over and over and over mm. to rejoice in the Lord. And Christians that have been known as a rejoicing people because of who their God is, that mm. he is a saving God. Yeah. And so no matter what I'm going through, even when I've hit the, the hardest moments in my life, I still have a reason to rejoice because my joy is not in my moments or my mm. circumstances, but in the Lord. Yeah. And so uh, we believe that our worship to God uh, and, and really the overflow of our worship in the corporate gathering, the overflow of that into the lived yep. Christianity of Monday through Saturday is meant to be one that is flavored of joyful gratitude yeah, uh, along the way. And so we're just looking for ways to cultivate that, the yep. way our church does meals together, the way yeah. that our church interacts pre and post service with one another. Yeah. Uh, the, the way that we sing, there's, there's definitely a tone and flavor of joy mm. in the way that we sing because we've got the gospel on repeat and the gospel's at the center. So how could we not? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so, so, so those, I mean, just a couple of small ways that we, we keep aiming to have a fully orthodox Christianity, yeah. uh, both theologically and experientially. Yeah. I love that. I particularly love the what you were saying about the worship side of things. I mean, obviously the word, we point to Jesus. That should be a no-brainer and then like our hearts just delight out, out of that um, kind of source. Um, but in worship, I, I feel like sometimes it's, either, uh, it's I mean, it's, it's, it's a tricky thing to navigate, but sometimes it's like, how can we not be so excited by this? Like if we know who we're worshiping, then how could this not be amazing? And like given you, you go through hard times and things like that and you have a heavy heart, but even in that space, I feel like you can still kind of come to God with that heaviness in that time and yeah. kind of go, God, this is yours and I want to rejoice in you. Can you just fill me up again here? Can you fill my tank in a, in a sense? So that's really, really cool. Um, I, look, I think some of us Christians can get so serious about everything except the command to rejoice. Um, and God is just as concerned with our rejoicing as he is with our repenting mm. because the two actually go together wow. and joy is totally compatible with sorrow 
and difficulty and troubles. I mean, we see it even in uh, John 16 when Jesus uh, is talking about the woman in labor. Yep. Um, but for the joy that that uh, a child has been born into the world, she remembers her sorrow no more. Mm. That doesn't mean the pain went away. Like she's yeah. still in pain. Absolutely. She's just had a baby. <laughs> um, but but there's now sitting underneath that sorrow, that that pain, this incredible joy. Mm. And we see it even at the cross in, in, in Hebrews 12, when it says uh, that Jesus, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, mm. despising its shame. Yeah. And so joy, joy and sacrifice, joy and sorrow are, are absolutely compatible. Yeah. And, and I think that really is... Uh, a huge part of uh, our Christian witness. Uh, and actually, you know, Martin Lloyd-Jones, um, I can't remember the exact quote, I say it somewhere in the book, uh, but Martin Lloyd-Jones, the great British uh, preacher and theologian of the 20th century, yep. said that it was this joy, this verve of life, this yep. gladness that changed the ancient world. Yep. Uh, and that is the greatest need in our world today. Yeah, wow. That's awesome. It's... um. So good, so good. Um, how do you, how do we kind of strive if we're in a church? Do you, I'm just so I'm a pastor at the church, one of the pastors, sorry, that I'm at, and uh, so I'm kind of asking from the point of view of just uh, not a pastor, lay people, um, the the kind of a normal attendee to church. How if your church is in kind of a spot where it might be kind of a different percentage on one side or the other in terms of uh, truth and spirit, um, how, would you kind of have any advice of how they could cultivate this kind of hundred percent of both in there and and have an influence on on those around them? Yeah. Look, I would say um, I'd, I'd want to encourage them towards what Eugene Peterson calls a hermeneutic of adoration, mm. uh, right? A hermeneutic of adoration. And, and he talks about learning to stare at God mm. in his word and in his world. And actually, I mean, let me just let me just pull up the quote here because yeah. it's that good. I, I may as well not butcher it. He <laughs> says, uh, he says, look at the world with childlike wonder, ready to be startled into surprised delight by the profuse abundance of truth and beauty and goodness that is spilling out of the skies at every moment. And then practice this hermeneutic of adoration in the reading of Holy Scripture. Mm. Plan on spending the rest of your lives exploring and enjoying the world, both vast and intricate, that is revealed by this text. Mm. So, so I would I would want to encourage every Christian uh, at every uh, um, you know whether they're an elder, or deacon, or member, or or just sort of on the fringes of a church to learn this practice. Mm. And and I love how even in that phrase, a hermeneutic of adoration, uh, Eugene Peterson kind of combines what I was hoping to achieve with uh, my book, Truth on Fire, which is right thinking that leads to right feeling. So hermeneutic just means how you read something, how you yeah. interpret something. Yeah. Uh, so, so all of us have a hermeneutic for the Bible of how we read it and how yeah. we interpret it. Uh, all of us have a hermeneutic for life of how we read the world and, and interpret the world. So yeah. we all have that. That's thinking. Yeah. And then Peterson marries that word with adoration. Mm. And so if you take these two, these two realities of God's word and God's world and apply this 
this one concept, mm. a hermeneutic that adores. Yeah. So, so here's, here's how this looks in my own life. Um, I, uh, more and more through my life and becoming just a sucker for uh, sunsets and uh, creation and little little things that I miss a lot of the time because I'm a type A guy. I'm, I'm yeah. busy. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm into being productive. Yeah. Uh, I have lists for my lists. <laughs> uh, I, I legitimately can tell you what I'm preaching on for the next five years. Like oh we have goodness. a plan five years ahead as a church and the plans welcome to change. And it does, but there's still a plan, right? <laughs> yeah, so I'm yeah. that kind of guy, which means for me. And if you're like me, this might be true for you. Uh, it, you might miss a lot of beauty, in the world around you mm. because you're always looking at what's coming up yeah. and what's next and yeah. what's next and what's next. And so I've been learning this practice over the last few years of just slowing down mm. in God's world and staring at his world with a hermeneutic of adoration, yeah. which means I, I, I mean, it's a little embarrassing, but I'll just go there. I'm not, I'm not like a bird watcher or anything. Okay. Like some people are. John Stott was, and he was incredible. So, obviously, you know, amazing. if that's your thing, cool. It's not my thing. But <laughs> I was I was brought to the verge of tears a little while back, just watching some birds uh, playing with each other in the sky. I don't know. Maybe yeah. they were trying to kill each other. Whatever. Like they were just they were they were flying and dancing, and there was this incredible yeah. pattern. Absolutely. And 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 I'm listening to their sounds. And, and I'm sitting there. And I'm the only one sitting there. It's just me. Yep. And I'm sitting on my veranda, having a coffee, watching these two birds do whatever they're doing. Yep. And I realized God has ordained even this moment, even mm. the birds of the air. And for whatever other purposes are going on here, mm. one of these purposes has to be my worship in him. Yeah. And, and when my heart slows down to behold the God who made flying dancing birds mm. uh, on a Tuesday afternoon. Uh, and the only witness to, to that little spectacle was myself. Um, my heart just grew happy in God. Absolutely. It was a sense of you made this, yeah. you ordained this, you're sovereign over this. Mm. God, thank you for letting me enjoy this moment. Um, my kids so know that I'm a, if anytime there's, there's like the, the colors in the sky at the end of the day start to change. I'm like, <laughs> look at that sunset. And I'm I'll, just, same, like, I'll stop everything. I'll pull the car over, like, watch it. There's only going to be like six minutes before we lose it. Like just enjoy it. And, yeah. and again, just, I want, I want my kids to see their dad rejoicing mm. in God's creation and staring at God's world with yep. wonder. Uh, Cause we lose that as we grow up. Uh, and then to take that same practice and apply it to scripture. Yeah. So, so I'm not just reading the Bible for informational purposes. I'm reading the Bible to meet with Jesus mm. and I'm staring at God's word with, with holy curiosity and yep. wonder. Yep. And I'm, I'm looking for how, what does this text say in its original context? Yeah. And, and, and what does that mean? And, and how does, how does this point to Jesus in some way, whether yep. it's old Testament looking ahead and, yep. and predicting or prophesying or anticipating or shadowing him or new Testament revealing him and his glory through the cross. Mm. How does it get me to Jesus? And then in light of who Jesus is in light of who God is, uh, what does this call me to to do right now today? Mm. Uh, and now what I'm doing there is I'm not reading the Bible like a manual of here's what it says. So go and do this. Yeah. Now I'm reading the Bible as God's self-disclosure mm. to me. 
and he's letting me into his very heart. Yeah. And I want to stare at it until mm. I start to see at least a glimmer of his very heart mm. and then go about my day and live my life in light of who God is. Gosh, that's amazing. That is a that is a life-changing type of thing and it's I I imagine and I've tried to do that in my own life more and more as I go about my day, just in the little things to kind of give adoration and, and glory to God and that kind of thing. I'm the same guy when it comes to like the sunsets and like going for bushwalks or something <laughs> like that. I'm just like, this is amazing. Like how good are you God? Like, and that type of thing. But I guess a follow-up question in that, and this is probably more on the uh, creation side rather than on like reading God's word, but how do you slow down in such a busy time to do that? Yeah. Uh, you have to fight for it. Yeah. So you have to, I think you have to fight and carve out intentional time mm. to be unproductive yeah. <laughs> um, and to simply abide and be with God. Mm. Um, so, so I think you've got to carve out time, but then I'll, I think it's also learning to um live with one eye open mm. uh, on, on what the spirit is doing in every circumstance you find yourself and how you're drowning every day in yeah. common grace and just God's goodness mm. of, of life right now. And yeah. so, you know, your ear gets tuned mm. to, you know, the laughter of a child and you yeah. think what a beautiful sound that is. Yeah. That is, that is a glorious sound uninhibited laughter yeah. i don't know if there's a better sound in the world <laughs> yeah and 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 so instead of just hearing that you hear that and your heart you, you teach your heart to to rejoice yeah. and to give thanks and, and to just be you know you're living with an ear open tuned to the yeah. sounds around you an eye open tuned to the the, the, the sights and and the beauty of god's world around mm. you um you, you now you're now worshiping your way through the day and yeah. there's a million little things that that we often miss. Yeah. Um, and we still, even as we become intentional around this, we're still going to miss a lot. That's mm. okay. Yeah. It's as we're learning to see and growing in this, that mm. that all of our life is, is a gift from God. Mm. Uh, that in one very important sense, for the beloved of Jesus, for those who are in Christ, everything we go through, even the hardest things, we will eventually see mm. God's gracious hand uh, in how he intended even evil for good and for his glory. Mm. So, so I'm, I'm learning to see that. But then again, I think just some healthy rhythms there of withdrawal. Yeah. Uh, so, so taking the Sabbath seriously yeah, absolutely. And, and taking a day a week to not produce, um, yep. not work, just be and just yep. eat good food and go for a walk and, and, and go out on a date and, 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 and enjoy a good book and enjoy God's word yeah, and put absolutely. on some good music mm -hmm. and do nothing except receive life as the gift that it is yep. so that you can go back into six more days of work in all its form, paid and unpaid yep. producing work. Absolutely. Um, and, and then, you know, where people are able to, you know, plan, 
plan for plan strategically with holidays and even personal retreats. I would mm. encourage, uh, you know, schedule a prayer retreat yep. uh, once a year yeah. uh, or, or, or twice a year if you can. Yep. And just get away for one night or two nights and yep. turn your phone off yep. and just bring your Bible and just go somewhere. doesn't have to be expensive. Get a mm. cabin somewhere up in the woods or yep. um, whatever. And yeah, just, yeah. just, just be alone. Yeah. Just be alone and learn to slow down and, and notice God's world. Uh, and I think when you when we when we get intentional and we fight for some of those things yep. in a world of of a million billion trillion sounds and demands and voices coming at us, yeah. uh, a noisy world, mm. uh, we learn to to, I guess, hear God through His Word and His world. Yeah, that's so good. Mm. I've I've definitely benefited from a lot of that kind of thing that you were just talking about like even going on I did my first kind of uh retreat by myself for like uh, two nights and I went out to Stanthorpe had a, yeah, a mate who had like wonderful. a cabin out there and it was it was just really wonderful just to get away and almost be alone as well and you and it's, it's a little intimidating at first to be honest but yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but it was just such a special <laughs> time to kind of take in creation to take in uh God and just look into his word and so so beautiful well so so one guy i I like um on on some things his name's henry nowen and and he was um he was a catholic guy actually but Mm -hmm. his stuff on um on personal renewal and and spiritual disciplines can be really really helpful yeah cool and and nowen writes about how uh we need to see silence and solitude Mm. uh differently to the way the world sees them. Silence yeah. is not the absence of words. Silence is listening mm. to God and him speaking to us. Solitude is not being alone. It is being alone with God. Mm. And, and, and when we define these rhythms, and I believe they are spiritual disciplines, Jesus would withdraw yeah, from the crowds yep. uh, strategically, not to stay withdrawn, but to re-enter. Yeah. Um, yep. uh, I, I believe if, if that was Jesus's model of life, who are we to think yeah. we don't need strategic withdrawal Absolutely. in our own busy times as well? Mm. And so withdraw to be alone with the Father. Uh, withdraw to be to, to hear from God. What has he for us right now? Where do we just need to just be still for a, a couple of hours mm. without a phone interrupting us yep. and just learn to listen and yeah. pray and and maybe write down some things that yeah. God lays on our hearts and, and then go back and, and enter the fray yeah. with with energy from the Holy Spirit. Yeah, absolutely. It's so, so important. And particularly in our day, we did a podcast with John Mark Comer and he talks a bit about this. Oh, as nice. Well. Yeah. And um it's it's you know in a culture of hurry to use his words and a culture of just super busyness. I, I think that's so so important and i wonder like you're saying how much of that actually plays into um how we can have adoration for god in his word and in his in creation as well just by slowing down and making that time like you say that's right and that's so good Hey, Adam, thank you so much. I'm going to wrap it up here. I would love to keep talking with you. Um, but uh, thank you for coming on the podcast. We really, really uh, value this time. And, and this was such a good conversation. And I loved kind of learning from much of the wisdom that you've gained and the experience that you've had. 
over uh, over your life and how it's culminated into such an awesome book and uh, such a great testimony. So um, if anyone's wanting to grab a, a copy of his book, I do believe it. you can get it from Kurong. That's where I got it from. You can get it on Amazon. You can uh, even get an Audible. I, I started re-listening to it, and it's it's with Adam himself. He's the one that's <laughs> narrating it, so you get to see hear his awesome voice all the time, his nice Aussie voice. Man, I, I have so <laughs> much more respect now for, for audiobook readers. They are my new heroes. That yeah. was so exhausting. Yeah. Uh, just reading uh, your own words – over and over until you got it right and and because you can only do like you know an hour and a half at a time before your yeah. voice goes hoarse and so you have to multiple sessions like oh, it was it was, it was it was hard yeah <laughs> so I, I have huge respect for good audiobook readers now they're they're a gift to us all you did a really good job in that though i think it, it well, sounded you. good and i i quite like it when the author does it as well did you have to this is a little bit of a tangent uh, no but like did you have to keep pausing every like after so no, every what you have to do is you have to every time you stuff up a sentence or it doesn't come out clearly or you mumble a word or whatever uh you have to click or, or clap into the microphone and then just restart that sentence and then they right. go back and and the the audio engineer will clean up all the spikes they see uh which wow. is when there's a you know a click yeah, into the okay. mic wow. uh, and so it just means you have to repeat things and you'll you know until you just making sure your pace is good and yep. that your inflection isn't weird. You're not too dramatic, uh, excited, <laughs> but you're not boring either. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's genuinely quite exhausting. So um, I'm, I'm glad it came out. Okay. It only took a thousand tries. So <laughs> you got there. Oh <laughs> uh, no, it was really good. Um, highly recommend everyone who's listening to this. They grab a copy of his book and support Adam in that way as well. Is there anything else we can do uh, as listeners to support? you adam in in what you're doing oh look thank you um would you pray uh pray for my continued joy in jesus Mm. um i know my own heart and how prone i am to to looking for joy in a thousand things that that might give a a hit of joy but it's not it's not going to satisfy like the the, the waters of life yeah. that, that are in Christ alone. And yeah. so pray for my joy in Jesus, pray Absolutely. for our church's joy yep. in Jesus, uh, that we would keep looking to him and following him mm. um, on a practical level. Our, our church is, we, we, we do need to move at some point over the next couple of years. We yep. kind of our building space. We've, we've outgrown it. Uh, so Good problem, problem, but still a problem. (laughs) So we're trying to figure that out. We have no idea what the next step is, but we know that there will be a next step somewhere along the way. And so just that the Lord would lead us to whatever that next next long-term home is um, and provide for us as we go along the way. Mm. Uh, Those would be wonderfully appreciated prayers. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll definitely be praying uh, for that. And that's awesome. Again, thanks, Adam, for your time. I really appreciate it. And if you guys enjoyed this, um, go check out Adam stuff or like and subscribe on way of life that would mean a lot to us we don't want to be famous by any means but we just want this content to to um, to be known by many and for people to to understand and wrestle with these topics um, because we actually do think it's really important so if you want to support us in that way that would be awesome but uh that's all for now so thanks guys i'll, I'll catch you next time